Hello, good evening. Just a little introduction. Are you ready? Song service will do it, right? Uh, teaching Ecclesiastes in Bible College, so that's on my mind, and that's what you're getting. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you for Wednesday night services. Thank you for people coming out. Thank you for the word being preached. Bless these words. We know you're here, Lord. You are here, and you are worthy. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 taught this this morning. Um, first couple of verses, the second and third verse, you probably know it well. Vanities of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit has a man of all his labor, which he takes under the sun? Um, I was st- thinking about this yesterday and remembered something I read like over 10 years ago, maybe 12 years ago from Pascal about uh, the false self, um, how um, we on this side of Eden after the fall, uh, there's something wrong with us and we know it. Subconsciously, if nothing else, we know something's wrong with us. Uh, we know that, you know, <laughs> everything up here, the thoughts, the actions, the desires, it's not all right with the world or our world or more me. And we, uh, we therefore pr- project another self, another image. Uh, I was going to use the iPad, but I'm too scared. But you can just imagine a picture of a person and a dotted line and then a dotted person, you know, like another image, you know, a false self. Uh, we work so hard. We work so hard to build this other person, this other self, this alternative, this loftier version of me. Uh, that version is built late. We labor we labor, like one way to view this, and definitely just one way, but one way to view this is that the labor that it's talking about is all the effort that we, all the things we do to, to produce an alternate, another version of me that is better than the reality. Uh, we build, we make, we produce, uh, we are very active and build this life, this world, where the false self seems real. You know, he's operating as if it's real. He's acting as if it's real. He's, he's doing a lot of things. He's working very, very hard. And Matthew 23, 23, said, God, Jesus said it to the Pharisees. You hypocrites, you build, you build your sepulchers. You are very, very active in your life, and you build your little veneer, your little false world, and that is not you. And and everything that's happened in humanity has only made that worse. All the technology, everything that we've accomplished in in this world, all everything that we do, uh, is just you know to make the false self seem more real. For some, it doesn't work. It doesn't work, and it turns to they turn to drugs. Or alcohol and, and depression and anxiety. It doesn't really work at all, but you know what I'm saying. For some, 
We are very busy, very active, believing it. In business, it's the next thing, you know, it's the next thing. It's not the current situation, the current accomplishment. It's the next thing that kind of keeps the false self alive. You hit your goal, and the very next day, we talk about the next goal, and then so on and so on and so on, you know. And, uh, you know, this, this version is uh, in- incredible. This, this false self is incredible, and much of our problems is because of this projected person. And, and you know, we, we said this morning, like, many of our wounds are not even against the real version of me, but it's in the portrayed version of me. I think I am this. And if someone dares to question this person, this other me, this better me, if someone attacks that person, if someone sees through that person, then I'm wounded. And my wounds are really deeply seated in the false self. Because in reality, in reality, if someone, if I wanted to be a great preacher here tonight and I wanted to be the best preacher you ever heard and I project that kind of image and I'm talking this way and I'm quoting verses and pretending to be something I'm not and then one of you says, man, that was the worst message I've ever heard. That false self is offended. I'm delusional. I'm accepting this whole other alternate reality. And I do it by covering my own sin and exposing other people's sin and magnifying my own strength and criticizing others and portraying happiness on Facebook and uh, hiding sadness. And uh, I exhaust all my accomplishments, you know, tell everybody about everything I've ever accomplished and just, you know, minimize anything that I'm not so good at, you know. And I just pump this thing up. I'm just pumping it up. I'm actively, by the way, I know all about it. I've done it. And, uh, you know, we we are... We have these survival skills, false self-survival skills, you know, slander, gossip, judgment, other people, you know, belittling others, you know. Uh, these are the survival skills of the false self, and we have created this world, and in that little world, I am king. I sit on my makeshift self-made world and self-made throne with my self-made person, and he's a, if you don't look too closely, it's kind of working. You know, it's kind of working. People can spend decades of their life, and this is all there is, just this portraying. And that's what I thought of when I read this yesterday, just vanity of vanities. The work involved in creating this alternate world where I am king, nothingness creating nothingness. Nothing, you know, emptiness, a puff of air, vanity, this, this, this insignificant me, because of the fall, creating, working, travailing, producing, working very hard, building, and, um, you know, all, with all my accomplishment, what am I creating? Nothing. Vanity of vanities. And that's sad. That part's very sad. Uh, we labor hard to reinforce our false self. But um, the best sentence that I've come to love in this, in this book, the one that brings it real, you know, is under the sun, under the sun. You know, there's, uh, there's the idea that this book is so negative, and it is. It's not, I'm not trying to pretend that it's Philippians. You know, it's not. It's, it's really brutal. 
in, the re- in presenting the reality or crushing me with my false self and bursting my bubble and presenting the reality of my life and who it is. Um, but, you know, the writer is aware that this is all under the sun. This is the reality under the sun. Like, like the most, most spiritual words you can say or the most spiritual thing you can do is to recognize what is under the sun in my life. Um, to meditate on it, to understand it, to accept it. And over and over again in this book, you know, I think Solomon, but, you know, he is, he is saying it. This is life under the sun, and it is not pretty. It is a joke. And no matter what you do and everything you do and everything you accomplish, including even the very wisdom that you have attained, is vanity. And, uh, you know, uh, he's not buying it. He understands. He is saying, I know that, I know that there's a second floor because he is saying, he's talking about the first floor. This is a book about the first floor and he, he's drawing a line and he chooses to talk mostly about the first floor, which is very, very helpful when you read about the second floor in Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians. And, and he is really mentioning it and he's trying to bring home the reality of this, you know, second floor by highlighting the first floor. And uh, this work travail, you know, this word travail, you know, what's so beautiful is that we have the New Testament and we have Christ, and Christ changed everything. And Christ brought to us a new option, a different option. And Christ is saying, you know, uh, I, I, made you new. You don't, you, you don't have to live in your old way. You don't have to portray, portray this image and pretend to be something that you're not. Uh, don't do that. Go upwards. The new man is what's ahead for you. Uh, the new mind, the new heart, that is where you can live. That's where you can find your identity, and that's where you can find the second floor, you know. And uh, this word, working labor, changes, changes with our proper perspective. When we understand what under the sun means, the work labor, the word labor changes for us. We become God's new labor force. We become his new workforce. We do his work, a good work, you know. Uh, Philippians, Ephesians chapter 2, we are his workmen. And, and in Christ, in Christ, I have my identity. In Christ, what I do becomes meaningful. Not just for myself to puff, push up myself, but, but in Christ, you know, what I do is so beautifully important. And I just met with the junior teen staff for dinner, and I said, you know, if you had a if you had a if you had a hundred billion dollars in the bank because of all your success and all your labor, you would stand before God and God and you would present it before him. And you all know this, but and God would say, I'm not interested. I don't care how hard you worked, I don't care what you did. It was all about you and your false self. And it means nothing. And Christ said it in so many better ways than I'm saying it today, but but uh, you know, in Christ, what you're doing, junior teens are they're there now, but they're working now. But that little work that you're doing, 
that little ministry that you have is infinitely more valuable because you're doing it unto him. And Christ has this beautiful way of taking your work, which was meaningless and vanity and empty and leads to nothing, and then in Christ making it something incredibly valuable. And we, what we do, what we do becomes worthwhile. And we are no longer the king of our little empire, but Christ is sitting on the throne. I have set my king. You know, he has done it in our lives. He has, he has made it real. Christ is our king and Christ is ruling our life. And, and our work becomes a beautiful testimony to the glory of God and becomes extremely valuable. And uh, it is no longer vanity. In, in reality, Christ rebuffs everything Solomon says. You know, that there is a, there is, I'm not saying, you know, it's against what he's saying. I'm just saying he's saying, it's all true, but I bring to you myself. I bring to you myself and in me, you know, we have the beautiful reality and the beautiful knowledge of knowing who we are and what we do is valuable. Amen. Okay, I have two parts. Uh, first part is having a little fun together. Uh, thanks, Pastor Pete, for the word. Very profound. Really good. Really good. Really good. Wow, there's a lot in there. Uh, how many like the book of Ecclesiastes? I'm just curious. You like that book. Oh, look at the deep ones, people. The deep ones. I, I also love it. Martin Luther's favorite book. Imagine. That book, that soul, wow, that's a great study. Okay, here is the fun part. John Harbaugh and Jim Harbaugh, you know who they are. John Harbaugh is the uh, coach for the Ravens, the Baltimore Ravens. They're in the playoff game. And they were growing up. Their dad was a football coach in Iowa, when I was a little kid, the family's motto was, who's got it better than us? Yeah, his dad, his dad, Jack, would ask the question to Jim, his brother, John, and Joanne, who would shout in unison back, nobody, nobody. Okay. Who's, got, who's got it better than us? Nobody. He taught his children this. Now, at the time, they lived in a tiny two-bedroom house in Iowa City, where Jack was an assistant coach at the University of Iowa. Sometimes they had a car. If not, they were walking. What a terrific opportunity to work on basketball dribbling skills. Jack convinced the boys how great it was that they could bunk together in a tiny bedroom and talk philosophy and share each other's dreams. Who could possibly have it better than you two guys? His dad, their dad would say. He would ask them, who's got it better than you? They would say, nobody, obviously. Then as you get older, you realize that people do have it better than you said Harbaugh, went back to look at the tiny house on a scouting trip. That was the smallest house I'd ever seen. But when I was a kid, I got the message. 
I got the message that life is not about a house. I got the message about attitude. And those are my words I'm adding. He needs help. <laughs> no. <laughs> but he, this is what he said. But the message was received, processed, and believed. The message there was not having things handed to you. That things that don't come easy are really a blessing. Harbaugh said, if it's harder, it makes you better in the long run. That's what my dad was selling. How about that? What about that story? Okay. Isn't that good? All right. So we'll have a short message on that in a few minutes. Now comes our exercise. Enjoy it. Have a good attitude. Hey, turn to your neighbor and just say, hey, Gavin, pick up your attitude. Come on, let's have a good time. We got a good attitude. Holy Spirit is here. Praise the Lord. Good to see you, Joel. All right, so here we go. Uh, you're raising kids. Uh, we have a basketball. We don't have a basketball gym. Uh, Coach Pat Lynch says we, we got the school in Essex. We got up at four, five in the morning to get the boys over there. Who's got it better than you? 5.30 in the morning, drive into the gym. Who's got it better than you? Nobody. Now, they couldn't shower at the gym. This is the high school basketball team. They couldn't shower. They just went through the whole day with, with, with the natural scent that God gave the human body. All right, so who's got it better than nobody? Well, you see, isn't it beautiful? How about when you don't have the things that other people have? How about all that stuff? So who's got it better than you? Okay. So here we go. Would you stand with me, please? Turn to your neighbor and just say, tell me, seriously, who's got it better than you? Go ahead. All right, Deuteronomy 33 uh, maybe, maybe a short message, maybe not, but I think it might be. I just want to say a couple good things about getting older. Uh, yeah, good things about life, about, about our future. Hey, you're good. Hey, that's awesome. Hey, Joel is here and Owen. Joel, thank you. Also, who else did I see over? Okay. Let's go to Deuteronomy 33, 25, no, 24. In of Asher, he said, Asher is most blessed of sons. Let him be favored by his brothers. Let him dip his foot in oil. Context, Jacob uh, there, there is the prophecy on the tribes, and Asher is a tribe. I'll give you a map, picture of uh, Israel. Here's the Sea of Galilee, Jordan River, Dead Sea, Jerusalem. Asher is this part up here along the coast. And they had uh, great, great ground, great, great soil. They had olive trees like orchards of olive trees, so they had oil uh, in that agricultural area, Asher, 
Uh, so there's a prophecy about that tribe here. And I want you to, to uh, take note of it. He said, he, let him be favored by his brothers. Let him dip his foot in oil. Your sandals shall be iron and bronze. So you have a couple of thoughts there that maybe you need to know. There's the oil, and then there's the iron and bronze is the tough metals, hard metals, and the the sandals are tough. That's the idea. The sandals are tough. The walk is pretty sure. He's not going to grow weary. He's uh, a tough, it's a good tribe. Actually, it's one of the scattered tribes, but the prophecy is interesting. We'll see it in a minute. But here's the part that I, I many years ago, a long time ago, I remember this verse, 25. It says, in your days, as your days, so shall your strength be. So here's another little picture here. <clears throat> here is your, your days, and your strength will match your days. Okay. Whatever you go through in your days, your strength will match it. That's amazing. Now, we had a president, Grover Cleveland, who had over his desk in the White House that verse, as your days, so your strength will be. And I like that idea, that picture, that, that every day you live, you think about it, God is going to give you what you need for that strength. Now, there's an example of it. It's a beautiful, it's really good. Turn to Luke 2, and we'll look at, you know, Anna. When Christ was born, she was one of the old folks in the temple. How old was she? At least 84. It's written there. So we have chapter Luke 2, 36 uh, and 37. Now, there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. And now, you don't read about Asher generally in the Bible. You don't really read about that tribe. Uh, it's not a dominant tribe. But it, we do read this. Centuries later, we have this woman, and the Holy Spirit wants us to know this woman was of this tribe. And in her way, in a way, her life kind of parallels that prophecy because of the kind of woman that she is. And look at it, verse 36. Now, there, uh, she was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. So let's put it, put it down here. She, she was old, but she got married and apparently was married seven years. And then he's gone, whatever, he dies or however it is. But she lived from from then on like she had the strength according to her days. Read it with me. Uh, She had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity, and this woman was a widow. Well, there's the answer to what I said. He did die. Apparently, she's a widow of about 84 years. Now, I don't really know how, to, how that is read, if that, that 
that's her age, or you're adding the seven years in her previous years together. I do not know, and that's not important. Point is, she's old. <laughs> uh, that's all that I, I'm happy with that. I don't, I don't need more scholarship on it. I just know that she was old. <laughs> and, and I, I want to say to you tonight that you can come under some cloud of uh, pessimism, fear, uh, some cloud of discouragement in life because of what happens to you in life. Because life happens and it's hard. But to this woman, look at what it says about her. It says um, she was a widow and then who did not depart from the temple but serve God with fastings and prayers night and day. How did she do that? How did she keep at it? How did that happen? Because as your days, so your strength will match. That's what I want to believe. I want to believe that wherever it is the Lord has for me, he's going to give me that spiritual passion or that spiritual help, that spiritual enlightenment, that spiritual strength. And, and I, I'm, not, I'm just saying it by way of encouragement tonight. I don't want to, I just want to say it like that. I hope, it, I know you, you can follow what I'm saying. Verse 38. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord. And there, there it is. She gave thanks to God. How much did she do it all her life? But didn't she have reason to be kind of, you know, kind of drop out? Didn't she have a reason to be discouraged or kind of like just, didn't she have a reason? I mean, couldn't we have, can't we get troubled about the simplest things? But that John Harbaugh story, Jim Harbaugh story, is good for us. Who has it better than us? Nobody. Like, what's the meaning of it? It's like my attitude will interpret for me my life. Like my attitude will help me get through. And and God has promised me strength. And that my shoes are going to be bronze and iron. And my feet are dipped in oil. And that I am actually going to live a life. And and I read in this um, this um, book about this verse, that there was in 1850, he just wanted to use this to illustrate, I think this was, forget the author, but in 1850, chloroform was like they were, in, they were um, uh, experimenting with this anesthesia, chloroform. But this um, operation was, like they didn't use chloroform, Maybe it wasn't wasn't yet totally clear in the Civil War. It was more, but this is 1850. This woman had a tumor, breast tumor, cancer, and they had to operate without anesthesia. And this woman was a Christian, and she just went to God, and they they removed her breasts and mastectomy without anesthesia. You know, I mean, what a horrible thought that is 
And, um, but the, the writing was that this woman experienced uh, this grace, and she was able to go through it and lived another 21, 21 years more. And, and this is the verse that she had the verse, as my days are, so my strength will be. And that, that means to me, like, there are so many, uh, there is so much that can happen in life where I could say, uh, I don't have, you know, it's not going to work. No, I can't, I don't, and I, we know that, but may this, um, this, uh, text, like, lead us to think that maybe I could get old and maybe God will be with me. And even at the end, maybe there would be such a uh, sense of how this is perfect. This is God. This is God's grace. This is okay. This is even more than okay. This is the presence of God in my life. And when that elderly woman took that baby Jesus in her arms, imagine uh, what she was thinking and how she understood this. And may we also think like, okay, I'm not sure about our lives and how it will go, but at least we have an amazing amount of encouragement from our God, our God, who kind of takes the artificial people that Pete Wester was talking about, puts the artificial people like through the, through the test, and what comes out is Christ in us. I am crucified, but I live, yet not I, but Christ lives within me. Uh, may, don't be afraid of the trials. Don't be afraid of the things. Don't be afraid of life. Don't be afraid of the future. Don't be afraid of yourself. Don't be afraid of anything, but enjoy the great grace that God gave to us through his Son. He that spared not his own Son, how will he not with him freely give us all things. Yeah, doesn't he have everything in the weight and balance in his bag? Isn't he doing everything perfectly? Deuteronomy 32.4. Isn't he preparing for his son a bride? Isn't he pr- producing his son in us? Isn't As the days go so, our strengths will be also. He will fill us every day, bless us every day, lead us every day, guide us always, answer our prayers. He is our Heavenly Father. He will help us in our deepest trouble. He will give to us the grace we need, even more grace to the humble, more grace given to us. We are His sheep. He is our shepherd. He will take care of us all the time. Amen. That's the message. Okay, would you pray with me, please? Lord, we could be just, personally, I could just be stirred up so much. Perhaps we, we, all of us, stirred up is so much with your goodness toward us and how well you help us and teach us. I am, we, we can all say the scripture, 
I am crucified with Christ. Would you say that with me? Let's do it. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. I think I missed a part. I am crucified with Christ. How's it go? <laughs> Wait a minute. I am crucified with Christ. I live. In the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Hallelujah. Who loved me and died for me. Wow, isn't that good? Yes, Lord. Yeah, you said to Asher, as his days are so, his strength would meet those days. We, we thank you for that, God. Thank you for it. And also, just a prayer, Pastor Shabelli, we pray for him in, in West Africa and strengthen him. And give him those iron shoes and, and strengthen him in the inner man and for Linda and strengthen her and give her health and blessing. And many of your servants in the world, Lord, and the prayers of the saints that move mountains and does, does do things what, what it is real. Lord Jesus, thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord, in Jesus' name, your holy, awesome name. And how a lie cannot stand in your presence. The enemies melt before you in Psalm 97. That the enemies are rebuked, the lies are revealed to be what they are. And they melt away. And we live in the authority of faith and the spirit of, of your grace and love. Thank you, God. Thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, wow. I, I could do that like all night. I feel like, wow, that's so good. Really. Praise the Lord. I feel like, hey, could I preach that again? <laughs> okay. Amen. Amen. Oh, off. No, uh, salvation, right? If you're listening to me and you don't have Jesus in your heart, you need him. Please come to Christ tonight and say to Jesus, there is no one like you. I do not know you. You are God. I believe, but I, I help me. I am wrong. I am a sinner. I I need you. You must love me. You must, uh, but it's obvious, you must teach me that you love me and that you are for me and help me in my life. Save me from hell and give me eternal life, heaven, by your love, by your forgiveness, by your blood, by the work on the cross. I trust you. Save me in Jesus' name. Amen.